Bite Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bubbles, and welcome back to the second Sunday after Pentecost for the week of June 11th, 2023. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast, and I'm excited that we are in the middle of June now. It's pretty amazing to think about. I know for myself, my wife and I have been spending some time out in the garden and getting that all situated and going especially with being in the northern hemisphere and as far north as we are. It's one of the things that we kind of wait till the beginning of June to get everything going in the garden. So it's kind of amazing to think about we are quickly approaching mid-June already. And so it's just time is moving by quickly. It's one of these moments also that I really enjoy with being these Sundays after Pentecost. This is the season that I think, especially that as we turn liturgical colors into green that will be on for now about half the year, it's the grow season. It's the time that we put forth and to think about how do we grow in the faith And I think that's one of the things that I think we can start to even see this week as we'll have alternative first readings. The moment and recognition of us thinking about how do we continue to grow in this season? How do we continue to grow in following Jesus now that we've gotten through the Easter season and gotten through Pentecost? What does this actually mean for us to grow? And I think that kind of fits in decently well with the question that I have from last week was, when was the last time that you acknowledged that you were part of God's ecosystem? And I got a good response back from a loyal listener talking about, in this person's life, he realizes it when he's around kids, but talking about, as a school bus driver, that now that school is out here, at least in the United States, for many schools, it becomes a little bit more difficult. And recognizing even in that, that you can make a big difference to a special few kids and how much of a difference that can make in their lives and thinking about that. And I think that's worth thinking about even within our own faith life is how we can impact so many and such small ways. We can impact people in such small ways to us, but it leaves a lasting impact. And I think it's something that's worth remembering and thinking about. So, Let's just jump into it this week. The Old Testament texts, like I stated, there are two different Old Testament texts and two different Psalms. So there is Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 9, which then is also with Psalm 33, 1 through 12. So we'll start with that, then we'll move into the alternative Old Testament text, and we'll continue from there. So Genesis chapter 12, we have where the Lord is coming to Abram and is making these promises of making a great nation and recognizing that Abram at this point is 75 years old and has his wife and they're continuing to move and trust what God is saying, even though he's going to give them an offspring, yet they perceive themselves as too old to be having offspring. But they are continuing to trust in what God is placing in front of them and continue to travel to the different locations on where God is steering them. The psalm then that goes with that is Psalm 33, the first 12 verses of it. And this is rejoicing in the Lord, rejoicing in Rejoicing in the Lord, singing praises to God, recognizing 
how much the Lord has done as long as we continue to be faithful and the righteousness that God has also poured out into us. This recognition of how God could have easily abandoned us, that we fall short so much, but yet God continues to not only love us, but continues to do all these amazing things for us and recognizing this beautiful place of earth and how much God has had God's hand within that and doing all these amazing things for us. The alternative first reading this week is from Hosea chapter 5, verse 15 to chapter 6, verse 6. This is going through one of the more difficult times within tribe of Judah. There's been a split of Israel from the northern tribe and the southern tribe. And at this point, this is one of the rougher kings that the northern tribe is having. But this is the reflection that Hosea is stating on how we need to continue to re-put our trust in the Lord and continue to trust God and look how God has continued to be there for us and how God has not abandoned us. It's been us who has abandoned God. And do you not realize the steadfast love that God has to be able to look beyond this stuff for us consistently? The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 50, starting in verse 7 to 15. And this then is recognizing how we should be living in a way that we are fulfilling the praises of who God has made us to be, that we are paying homage to what God has created, what God has done. And in doing that, we are recognizing and fulfilling the faith in which it's being called for us to be able to live this out, recognizing, like we kind of stated last week, that we are part of a bigger ecosystem. And in being part of that bigger ecosystem, that God has continued to provide for not only us, but all of it. The New Testament text then for this week is out of Romans chapter 4, verses 13 to 25. This then is kind of playing off a little bit of that first reading that we had in Genesis, but kind of continuing to play along with this similar theme that remembering the promise that was promised to Abraham and his descendants and that it's the faith that is what is bringing it through. It's not the law. It's recognizing that what we have in this life and what we have in our faith is dependent on the faith and the hope that it continues to be to build upon where God is trying to take us and being able to recognize that this faith is wholehearted and how that then helps us better understand who God is. And that through this faith of trust that then we are able to not be led astray, but it's able to help us guide and move in the directions on where God is steering us. The gospel text this week is out of Matthew chapter 9 verses 9 to 13 and 18 to 26. This is a text of beginning with Jesus calling Matthew and telling him to come and follow him. He then joins him and the Pharisees are critical of this. And stating, why does this teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? 
Jesus responds with, Those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick go and learn what this means. Like, the ones who are sick go and see a physician. These are people who he's seeing that are needing what Jesus can provide them. Then when we get to verse 17, you have a leader within the synagogue coming to Jesus, stating that his daughter has just died and is just hoping that he can lay hands on him. You have a woman who then is suffering from hemorrhages and consistent bleeding for 12 years, touching the fringe of his cloak. Jesus asks who this is, take heart, daughter, for your faith has made you well, and instantly the woman is made well. Jesus goes to that leader's house. There's people who are playing flutes. There's a crowd in commotion. He shoos them away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping, and they laugh at him. But the crowd then, outside, he goes, puts his hands on this girl, and she gets up and is able to live the life of who, what God is calling her to be. But being able to then live and breathe, and this news then spreads throughout the area. So, before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do our shameless plugs. Oh! Working Preacher, if you haven't journal Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcasts, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help bring you this podcast. I'd highly recommend it. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend that. I'd also highly recommend checking out Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. I really like how they lay out the text every week, but like we've talked about, the art, the hymns, the liturgical colors, all that stuff is right there. So if you haven't checked that resource out, I'd highly recommend that also. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Green Blades Preaching Roundtable and Green Blades Rising Publications. Both these give a variety of being able to not only help you in your sermon prep for week to week and being able to bring in more of an ecological echo probably into your sermon, but also be able to make you aware of different events and notices that are going in the upper Midwest and beyond. I know for me, within the synod that I am working in, the Northwest Minnesota Synod, they have just passed a care of creation bill, which was super exciting and super awesome to be part of that. So these types of notices and recognitions of what are going on will be in these types of newsletters. So if you haven't checked that out, the links for that will be down below. Finally, I also have to do my plug for the Gus Davis Academy for Faith, Science, and Ethics, where it brings high school students from across the country to learn alongside top scientists, theologians, and activists at the intersections of faith and science, where they work together to find solutions to some of the world's most pressing challenges. While having a lot of fun, they are creating an open and non-judgmental space for questions and community. Think Bible Camp for teens who are excited about science and justice. This summer, they are going to explore insects, climate change, and the interconnectedness of creation. Academy Fellows will be invited to do a deep dive into the growing impact on bugs in their environment, the land in which we live on, the food in which we eat, and more, and experience hands-on learning in ecology and theology, discovering how faith and science can work hand-in-hand to create a much more beautiful future for our planet. This year, it is 
June 17th through the 23rd in St. Peter's, Minnesota. If you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend it. I have been in contact. We're finalizing the details and I will be at this event for parts of it. So I'm really excited about it and I hope that the younger listeners of this podcast are also checking this out. Faith is a tricky thing. Faith at times makes us do crazy things. Faith is sometimes so abstract that it's very difficult for us to be able to fully define it. And coming off of Holy Trinity Sunday, when we're talking about this weird doctrine of having a God that is in three persons, but all is the same person, it makes it difficult. But to then move on to the abstract notion of faith is another part. But I think there are ways that we can do this and be able to understand it within our own lives a little bit deeper. As it's kind of been talked about in multiple times on this podcast before, I really enjoy birds. I would say I'm a little bit of a bird nut. I have enjoyed ornithology and looking into birds and everything that's going on. And we have talked about it a fair bit over the over 280 episodes of this podcast. One of the birds that I have brought up before, and it is in the news again, because there are some major decisions that are going on with this bird, and it gets back to this idea of faith. The faith of, can we believe some people are saying that they have seen? And at what point will we believe it? So, the ivory-billed woodpecker. The last officially confirmed sighting of this bird where people can agree on it is in 1944 with video in the 1930s. So we have footage of this bird from the late 30s. Since then, there has been a lot of claimed sightings, a lot of claimed discussion around this bird and whether or not it's still alive. To give you some perspective, if you are familiar with North American birds, the pileated woodpecker is the largest confirmed species of woodpecker that there is. The ivory-billed woodpecker is bigger than a pileated woodpecker by a little bit, but substantial. And there are some white wing bars on the back, which then is very prominent also when it's flying. And these are some key indicators for this bird. Over the last two plus decades, for sure, there has been multiple possible reports and multiple times people overturning them and getting into this debate, is it actually around? This gets fairly important due to the fact that the Department of the Interior hasn't officially declared it extinct yet. In 2021, they basically put it on the list, basically saying we're looking to phase this out. And the reason that that's so important here in the United States is because it is getting tax dollars to help do conservation work. It's conservation effort and dollars are going into making sure and maintaining habitat for this bird. The final decision about that happens later this year in 2023. What has happened recently is there, and I will attach it in the show notes, and it's actually a fairly interesting look, a scientific paper with 
what this guy is showing of audio and visual and drone footage of all the different times that this person has assumed to see a ivory-billed woodpecker in specifically Louisiana and showing all the different evidence. And for this person is stating that this is the ivory-billed woodpecker. I am convinced of it. There is already within the ornithological community been pushback looking at this stating is this or is this not. This is the holy grail within North America for birds is this ivory-billed woodpecker. So this is um, a major deal. If it was confirmed that this was seen, it would send shockwaves through the whole community that this bird that has been perceived to be gone for 70, 80 years is suddenly been found alive. But on the meantime, you're also having the push of why are we conserving and sending money to conservation efforts to potentially save a bird that might not even exist anymore? So there is reasonable arguments on both sides. Personally, I hope the bird is still alive. There's been times when I've looked at different footage and I'm semi-convinced, but I will say looking at this latest report, there was a couple where it's like, maybe, and then there's some where it's like, I think that's a bit of a reach. And there's whole discussions on with how big this bird is and how showy this bird used to be, why haven't we seen it? And my response would be twofold to that in that one we know that the habitat for the ivory-billed woodpecker was virgin old-growth swamp forest, which is very difficult to be able as a human being to get around in. But two, the prior to their quote-unquote extinction or the, the last sightings, they were being hunted decently well from different collectors, museums, wanting specimens of the ivory-billed woodpecker. Granted, we're again, we're talking 80 years ago, we're talking a different scientific community than it is today and a different conservation community than it is today. But what does this all have to do with Jesus calling Matthew? What does this have to do with Jesus healing this girl or Jesus healing the woman who's been hemorrhaging? The thing of what this does apply is the faith. There is whole groups and communities who are adamant that they have seen this bird and they have the faith and they're trying to share this message with the world because they want to show like this is amazing. Like if we were able to see one of these birds after 80 years, there would be so many questions that we'd have. There would be so much research that would suddenly be like, whoa, we got to figure things out because they've been evading us for 80 years. On the flip side of the coin, there's skeptics. There's people wondering, is this really true? Or is it people living off of hopium, living off of just pure infatuation and pure hope and dreams and living in the clouds that this can't be true? 
Because if this is true, this really shakes up what we understand of habitats. And the ivory bill played a major role in the ecosystem. And it would be awesome to have it there knowing that we didn't lose this major contributor within the ecosystem. But we've been assuming that that is gone. Jesus is playing with the Pharisees' heads big time. The Pharisees are struggling with this idea of, what do you mean? Why are you spending time with these nobodies? Why wouldn't you be spending time with other educated people to make you question and think about and go deeper on some of these different topics and ideas? And Jesus says, that's not how faith is built. Faith is built from a built trust. Faith is built from a relationship. Faith is built on these ideas of being able to trust even when it doesn't seem logical. When we look at the Genesis text this week, you see some of those elements being laid out that you will have this great nation and there will be land for which you to build on. And Abram's quite old at this point. But yet, what is the psalm that's tied with that? It's praise. It's recognizing that in all of that, we still need to praise. We still need to recognize the amazing things that God has done and be able to acknowledge that and realize how God is continuing to work through that. We even see it in the Hosea reading where it's like, turn back to God and look, God has continued to be like, I'm still reaching, I'm still reaching, I'm still reaching, I'm still trying, I'm still reaching. I want these people, and yet it's us who go astray. It's us who lack the faith. It's us who turn away. It's us who fail to recognize the prophets that are in front of us, fail to recognize how God is trying to steer us, fail to recognize the blessings that are in front of us. And that's what you see in Psalm 50. The Romans text reminding us it's this faith that has been given to us, the promise of God not abandoning us, and yet God even going and showing what God has done. God has done that multiple times. God has created, God has led us out of these crazy situations, didn't figure it was enough. We had Jesus come. That was a whole thing. And then we have on top of that, there's something greater that's coming and it's going to be embedded within you as the Holy Spirit. And that happened. And yet we still struggle to trust. God has fulfilled God's promises multiple times over. It's us who struggle to trust and to recognize one, what is enough evidence for us to be able to recognize God is not going to let us go. God is not going to abandon us. God is not going to not continue to try to provide for his people. What is it going to take for us to recognize that? And I think the people who believe that the ivory-billed woodpecker is still around, it's like, what evidence more do you need? Yes, a lot of the footage is still pretty grainy and is not the greatest, and you would hope that. But I would also argue some of the stuff is, These are fairly high up in the trees and the sun's optics going against these birds who have much darker feathers than pileated woodpeckers. So thus, it seems that maybe the light would be reflecting differently. So thus making it harder for us to be able to confirm or deny some of this stuff. And with how close it does honestly look like a pileated and it's hard to tell from a distance. Yes, there are things that make this 
hard to be able to, can we trust all this stuff? Is there enough evidence to say, yes, the ivory bill woodpecker is still around? I don't see it as that much different than what we are being called to in certain ways within our own faith life. How much evidence do we need to cling on to to recognize that, no, this I believe this. I trust this. I have faith in this. As the ivory bill woodpecker will be debated, and there's whole things within that, I think there's times where God says that about us. How much do I need to lay out for you to be able to understand and to recognize and to trust that I'm doing all this stuff? And I think that's that next part within this whole thing is the trust to get to faith takes a lot And I think it's something that, as a global church, we wrestle with. Because I don't think we've really cracked the code that well. Cracked the code to be able to convey it in a short, condensed, and easy way to understand. To give examples and to be able to show to other people easily. I think that's a whole thing in and of itself that I think as we are continuing to move into this 21st century, I think we will need to spend some time on. So the question I have for you this week, where do you have to have faith to trust? Where do you have to have faith to trust? And how much trust does it take to have faith? How much trust does it take to have faith? I think these are hard questions. And... I think faith and trust are hard to wrap our heads around, honestly. I think it's something that, as a world, especially with where we're at right now, it's so hard. And yet, when we look at how God designed us, we're designed to trust. And I think that's the whole point of when Jesus says, follow me, is even if you're not all the way there, come and follow me for a while and see. Come and see. You know, and and we even get that in that response of those who are well have no need for his position, but those who are sick, go and learn what that means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have come to call not the righteous, but the sinners. I'm here to develop a deep relationship, a relationship that we're probably going to recognize we owe something that we can never render. And that's where our faith comes into. We have something that's so much deeper and greater. So whether it's trusting and believing that the ivory-billed woodpecker still has trees to investigate, whether it's believing in something greater than ourselves, I think that faith and trust piece is so vital for us to be the humans that God has created us to be. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.